production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 12th of October. The New South Wales Premier has warned the state to expect a spike in COVID cases as millions of residents yesterday enjoyed their first day out of lockdown. While some pubs, restaurants and shops were packed with fully vaccinated customers, the City of Sydney was still quiet last night. Dominic Perrottet says as the state opens up, there will be an increase in infections, but has ruled out any further lockdown moving forward. There will be issues that come up, there will be challenges uh, that come our way, but if we look out for each other, if we respect each other, uh, we will be able to make sure that New South Wales gets through this period of time and comes stronger out the other side. Meantime, New South Wales is already setting its sights on its next Freedom Day, with experts predicting the state will hit 80% double vaccinated on the 25th of October, when regional travel will resume and there'll be increases to capacities at indoor and outdoor events. We've had the first hint of when Queensland could reopen its borders, with hopes it may be before Christmas. The state's health minister, Yvette Dart, says residents should aim to be fully vaccinated by mid-November. If someone wants a target, the target is getting yourself protected in the next five to six weeks. That is your mission. Get yourself protected and that helps protect our whole community and allows us to open up. But the Queensland government still won't confirm an exact date of when Queensland will reopen. It comes as the state hits a major vaccine milestone with 70% of Queensland now having their first jab. Meantime, there are reports out of Victoria this morning that doctors are being bribed thousands of dollars to falsify COVID vaccination documents. The Herald Sun is reporting patients are offering doctors up to $5,000 to dispose of the vaccines and then fill out illegal certificates. It's understood the health department is investigating. It comes as Victoria ramps up its vaccination rollout, now offering both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to anyone over the age of 12, including those over 60 with the majority previously only eligible for AstraZeneca. Another COVID scare for South Australia after a fly-in fly-out worker tested positive after flying into the state on Sunday night. Other passengers on that flight from Melbourne will now need to quarantine. The woman in her 30s was wearing a mask and went quickly through the airport to a taxi and a hotel. It comes as South Australian pathology will this week start trialling rapid testing for essential workers and minors at At Adelaide Airport. An anti-COVID pill is a step closer with the US pharmaceutical giant behind the drug applying for emergency use in the US. Pharmaceutical company Merck says the oral tablet can be used to treat adult COVID patients with mild to moderate symptoms, with trials showing it can slash hospitalisations and deaths by around 50%. Australia has already purchased 300,000 doses of the pill pending approval. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground to Victoria and the first day of anti-corruption hearings into the state Labor Party has already seen a minister step down with Luke Donnellan handing in his resignation from Cabinet after being accused of branch stacking. James Lake in Melbourne says it was a dramatic first day of hearings. 
Yes, dramatic, Tash, because some of the evidence against a state Labor member was coming from a federal Labor MP. Anthony Byrne told IBAC aged care minister Luke Dunnellan was involved in branch stacking by paying for other people's memberships to the Labor Party and alleged the party was completely out of control. Now, branch stacking is simply the mass recruitment of people into one branch of a political party in order to amass political influence. It is against the rules in the Labor Party, but technically not illegal. Luke Donnellan has denied the accusations. The IBAC hearings will continue today. To WA now, and the search for an eight-year-old boy will resume at first light this morning after he disappeared on Sunday. Volunteers have spent the last two days searching dense bushland and rivers in the state south. Our reporter, Talissa Bazaz, has the latest. That's right, Tash. It's understood the family were camping near the popular Fernhook Falls around 380 kilometres south of Perth. It's now believed he was kayaking in the rapids when he vanished with an empty kayak found. A large air and land search with police and SES volunteers was called off again overnight and is set to resume at first light this morning. Great Southern District Police Force Superintendent Kim Travers has told Seven News they're grateful for the community support. The appreciation from the police to the community in offering to volunteer to search for the young boy is remarkable and it gives us a great feeling when we know the community is right behind us. The family say they're shocked and anxious and wanting to find their little boy. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. As New South Wales opens and Victoria plans for a Melbourne Cup crowd, Westpac sees strong growth for the economy in 2022. Tash, good morning. Yeah, some good news to start today because that's really, really good. Westpac are saying the growth could be up to 7.2% for the economy next year compared to this year. Now, of course, some of it is going to just be the bounce back trade. We know that we're going to have declined in the third quarter. Hopefully the fourth quarter won't be a decline, but that sort of growth is really, really strong. That's the back to business, back to the shops, back to work, back to cafes trade. And fingers crossed they're right because the economy really could do with it and it would be a really, really nice way to recover coming out of this uh, particular crisis. Absolutely. And this is an interesting one, Scott. The ATO admits up to $27 billion in JobKeeper was paid to firms that then made more money or, of course, declined by less than that crucial 30%. Yeah, and this is the, maybe the, the dark underbelly, I suppose. I, I can't be too critical of the ATO. Plenty of people are going to have a political view on this one, and I get it. The money was given to businesses to make sure they didn't put staff off, to make sure we all kept spending, kept doing everything we were going to do anyway. JobKeeper was a roaring success. The question, of course, is how much of that money could have been saved or should have been returned by companies? That's a whole different question, but we know the dollar value. It's $27 billion. The ATO is saying if they tried to grab it back now, next time around, those businesses might think twice before accepting the cash. Whether that's true or not, we know JobKeeper worked. We've just got a very, very big bill to pay as a result. And we can't travel anywhere as yet, especially overseas and interstate, but we're about to get a new airline. Oh, how bonza is this? And when I say bonza, <laughs> I don't mean good. I mean, that's the name of the new airline. We may well have bonza in the skies. In the kind of tradition of EasyJet for those who've been overseas or Virgin Blue here, these guys are trying to become the new Virgin Blue. Of course, Virgin Blue went upscale. I went back to Virgin Australia. Uh, but the, the, the idea of bonza is effectively, if you remember, the, remember those when we could travel in those days and go back a bit further when Virgin Blue just launched, it was the budget cut price fun, no frills 
Royals airline. Bonds are trying to replicate that. Now, of course, there is a long and very big graveyard of Australian third airlines. Remember Compass Mark 1 and 2. Remember Ausjet. There's been plenty others besides. These guys are pretty game, I've got to say, to open, particularly in the middle of a pandemic, but that's what they're going to try and do, backed by a big private equity firm out of the US. So we'll see, but things may well be Bonza in the future. Certainly lots of things happening in the business and finance world. Thanks for the update, Scott. Thanks, Tosh. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, we found out the details of the new NRL team even before it was officially announced. Yes, good morning, Tosh. That's right. Widespread reports that Brisbane's second team to enter the NRL in 2023, of course, is expected to be the Redcliffe Dolphins. $70 million they have behind them. That is the preferred bid we're reading, picked ahead of the Firehawks and the Jets. The ARL Commission is tipped to make that uh, official announcement later this week. So we'll watch this space with the 17th licence to be awarded to. To Redcliffe. They have a beautiful boutique stadium as well. Now, a Panthers legend, Mark Guy, just in some other NRL news, says that Premiership celebrations may have taken some of the shine off their grand final win. Tyrone May and Billy Kikau have both been slammed for distasteful social media posts in the past week, while the NRL is investigating how the trophy was damaged. And Mark Guy admits it's not a good look. I did take a little bit of the gloss off the grand final win because in the, in the, in the ensuing days, it's so far out of sight, out of mind, that you're right about people trying to grasp the stories, but sometimes when the players give you the story on a yeah. platter, you've got to run with it. MG on the rush hour last night. Keep the phones away would be the best advice there, Tash. Absolutely. And Brett, some crucial changes to Australia's batting lineup ahead of the T20 World Cup. Yeah, plenty of talk about Mitch Marsh and his spot in that top order for the upcoming World Cup campaign. He could be given third spot after strong performances in the recent tours of the West Indies and Bangladesh. That means Marsh will replace Steve Smith at uh, first drop. I dare say that if I play in this uh, tournament, I'll be listed at number three. But I think the beauty of our squad is that from three to six or even seven, all of us can float and it'll just be a matter of game situation and who we think is best to go in next. Yeah, he was the rare player in form in the middle of the year. We've never won a T20 World Cup and that starts later this month. Our first game against South Africa, not too far away. Yeah, and Brett, some interesting developments in the AFL for former Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett and Hawthorne. Yeah, he is the president at Hawthorne. They've got some board positions uh, to fill. He's facing a challenge to those. He had picked out his own uh, contenders for that, but former Australian super boss Ian Silk and ex-player Andy Gowers are now set to bid and challenge for those roles. So not for his position as president himself, but could undermine him in the long term, I guess. And some more dramas going on at the Hawks in terms of a playing perspective. Their new coach, Sam Mitchell, has been shopping around some of their best and most experienced players in Chad Wingard, Jack Gunston uh, and Jagera O'Meara just among some of the players that he's trying to offload against their wishes and that could make things very awkward as Dale Thomas, the former Magpies champ points out. Sam Mitchell is actually picking up the phone and trying to drum up interest for the likes of Mm. O'Meara and Mitchell so you know as a player who's been in football clubs as you do get older the insecurities don't leave you even if you are a star of the game. If you Mm. get shopped around the dent to your pride, things like that. It starts to get really messy. And And the Magpies will now strike a peaceful handover with their presidency. Jeff Brown, the former Channel 9 boss, to become the new leader in December, Tash. Big day in sport. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Tash. 
and Australian Olympic sprinter Rowan Browning has added another accolade to his already impressive CV. He's taken on a racehorse and won. Browning, who is the fastest man in the country, went head-to-head in a running race with the horse lost and running. Bowman's charging home, but Browning's going to do it easily. The fastest man in the country's won it. Browning, though, did get a 120-metre head start. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day, stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.